The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. While Jesus was speaking, a Pharisee asked him to dine with him. So he went in and sat at table. The Pharisee was astonished to see that he did not first wash before dinner. And the Lord said to him, Now you Pharisees cleanse the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside you are full of extortion and wickedness. You fools, did he who made the outside, did not he who made the outside make also the inside? But for but but give for alms those things which are within, and behold, everything is clean for you. The Gospel of the Lord. <clears throat> so yesterday, we, uh, which precedes, again, even in chronological order in the life of Christ, what happens uh, today, so uh, what happens, what we have yesterday was, remember, the asking of the Lord for a sign, and the Lord says, this is an evil generation that seeks a sign, and no sign will be given it, and he gives the example of the Queen of the South and of Jonah, and both of those examples were, uh, again, people who acted without need of a sign, right? So you had the Queen of the South, simply for the sake of wisdom, she makes that long journey to receive wisdom. And then you have the Ninevites simply at the preaching of Jonah. He doesn't work any other miracles, but just at the preaching of truth, they convert and they are turned in their hearts towards repentance and towards God. And so they are a judgment for these who are continually seeking a sign despite the fact that the Lord is always working miracles and signs. And so no sign is sufficient for them, and they still do not believe in the Lord. And so what we see here is there is a particular judgment that will be on them, and it is from what we see in the first reading uh, today, which is about the fact that even in creation uh, there are signs of the power of God. And so even in creation we can come to know uh, God and His power as Creator, there are limits to what we can know about him through creation, so the incarnation is necessary for the deeper realities of God, for the things like the Trinity and other things that we could not know without revelation from God. But there is a revelation, in a way, of God and his power as creator uh, through creation, and so there are signs of God everywhere. And so those who reject seeing God in nature or won't even make the attempt to acknowledge that there is a creator, they are judged how much more than these Pharisees who have witnessed all the miracles of Christ, all of the revelation which is so much greater than the revelation that comes through creation, the perfect revelation of the Father and of the Trinity through Christ himself, how much more will they be judged who reject what comes from Christ as truth? And so you have then what happens after he makes that statement and uh, tells them again, rebukes them, and speaks about the Queen of the South and the Ninevites as being judges over them. 
Then this Pharisee decides that he wants to take the Lord away from the crowd. So it says that the crowds were pressing in around Jesus and they were beginning to follow Jesus instead of following the Pharisees. And unable to trap the Lord in the midst of the multitude, this Pharisee tries to take the Lord away into a different trap, right? Which is in this trap of his own house. And so he invites Jesus, this kind of pretense of charity, but with malicious intent, he invites Jesus to come and to dine with him. And the Lord, never afraid of anything, decides to go. And the Lord goes at this invitation with the hope that he might convert, with the desire to convert this, this Pharisee and the others maybe to the Lord. And so when he arrives at the Pharisee's house for this principal meal of the day, as it is in the Greek, as he arrives at this Pharisee's house, you can imagine all of the other Pharisees, because we know from what comes after this, that the Lord is surrounded there by scribes and Pharisees. So it is like stepping immediately into a trap. And so when the Lord arrives, it is full of Pharisees and scribes. And you can imagine all of them as they come in through the entrance, all of them scrupulously and fanatically washing themselves, doing all of the ablutions, and the Lord walks straight past and goes and sits down and reclines on a couch. And so this would shock all of them that he's not doing what they think is the best things. They've elevated these ablutions to the point of fanaticism. They've elevated these uh, ablutions to the point of laws of God. And so they are shocked that the Lord doesn't follow these laws that they have uh, created in these ablutions that they follow so fanatically. And the Lord has absolutely no time for them. So he goes and he reclines himself and they are all shocked, especially this particular Pharisee. And he is thinking to himself, again, astonishment that the Lord has not performed these ablutions. And the Lord, knowing his heart as always, the Lord seeing the uncleanness of the interior while they are so fixated about the cleanliness of the exterior, the Lord looks into the heart and he says, you Pharisees, you cleanse the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside you are full of extortion or plunder and robbery and wickedness. And so again, it's this trial, and you can imagine the suffering of the Lord. We walk around and we don't see the interior of hearts, but he does. He knows those who are rejecting him. He sees the uncleanness of the interior, and that is what he desires to cleanse. And so he shows that his gaze is not fixed at the pretenses and the masks of religion that they wear. His gaze is fixed on the wickedness of their heart that he wants to convert. And so he points to what should be cleansed. And all of that fanatical activity, all of that rigor that they have in cleansing the outside, if they would just give but an ounce to the cleansing of the heart, that is what the Lord wills for them. And so again, he says, you are full of extortion or robbery, and wickedness or malice, in the, if you go to the Greek words. And those are interesting, right? Robbery is when we take something for ourselves that is not ours. And so it represents in the interior that they take in order to fulfill all of their own desires. They are consuming. They become like these vacuums that just draw in things that are not theirs. And all of their activity is to the satisfaction of their own desires. And we can see that in their will also is malice. Malice meaning they have evil intentions and wickedness. So not charity, that should be the animating principle of our will, love. And also is that what the Lord is calling them to 
is to almost reverse what is happening in their interior, not to be these bottomless pits that just consume, but to become merciful, to become merciful, to pour out, he says, but to give alms. And the word in the Greek there means to be merciful to the poor, so to meet poverty with what is needed wherever we find it. And that's not simply material poverty. That is when we meet those who are ignorant, that we give the truth of God. When we meet those who are in any way have any spiritual needs as well, that we pour out upon them what comes from the kingdom, that we give alms, that we give from the great things that the Lord has given us through his grace. And what the Lord is trying to do with these Pharisees is get them to step into the role of religion that they should be acting in, not to be satisfying themselves, but to be ministering to others, not to be always assuming that they are wise, but to open their minds to the wisdom of God so that they can then give some of that wisdom and not their own, again, like what we see, these kind of like implementing these fanatical ablutions only to further burden the people. And so they are not fulfilling what they are called to do. They are rejecting the Lord at every turn. And he is now getting to the point where what follows from this is he begins with his woes, right? Woe to you, Pharisees. Woe to you, Pharisees. And so the Lord is now at a point where he's desperately trying to convert these hardened hearts, but they are not receiving him. Their hearts and their minds are closed. They are self-righteous, thinking themselves wise, but being ultimately so foolish, thinking themselves righteous, but having nothing in their hearts of charity, but only wickedness. And so for us, what do we take from this gospel? We cannot presume that we are always the good people in the gospels. We have to also presume that there is a part of us that is also connected with the scribes, the Pharisees, and those who reject Christ. And so when we invite Christ in to dine with us, now, that's a beautiful image, if we think about it, of the moment of Holy Communion. When the Lord enters into our house, what will he find there? Will he find a heart that is, has malice in it, a heart that has unkindness or evil intentions? Will he find robbery there, taking to ourselves things that are not our own, even in the interior? Or will he find a soul that desires not other things, but only him? Will he find a heart that is not seeking to do evil things or has malicious intent, but loves only him? Now, he is the one who is the only one that can actually change our heart and our desires. And it is by means of his word and by his presence that this can happen. And so when we are here at Mass, we receive his words, and we ask that his words, with all of their power, will turn our desires to God. And we ask that his words, with all of their power, will fill our hearts with a love for God alone and for all things for his sake. And so by his word and by his presence, when it is within us in Holy Communion, when we sit in his presence in Eucharistic adoration, we pray for the healing, that the Lord will root out from our interior everything that is pharisaical, everything that is a pretense, and so that we can live a life without guile, that we can live a life that is true religion, the worship of God in spirit and in truth, and that we can give to the Lord the love that he desires from our own hearts. Amen.